Blog Talk Radio. Henderson hailing from New York 
we are the original man talking about warriors, talking about kings and queens. Yes, that is who we are. And yes, we are the original man. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Our Own Voices Live. I am Rodney Smith sitting in the air chair today on July 30th, the last Saturday in July. And our topic today is the two-party system destroying America. Is the two-party system destroying? You all have some thoughts that you would like to share because I got plenty I'd like to share. You can call in and share those thoughts at area code 347 826 9600-347-826-9600. And, of course, as always, I would love hearing from you a little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show broadcasting from my city here in Las Vegas, Nevada, to talk about Las Vegas, the surrounding area, as well as someplace near you. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America, by building the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And some of the ways that we do that is with, like, this Blog Talk radio show, Our Own Voices Live. Of course, you can interact with us in between shows at Our Own Voices Live on Facebook, Our Own Voices through Twitter. Yes, we're on Twitter. And we also have Our Own Voices on YouTube. So, we're trying to come to you every way that we can to inform, occasionally entertain, educate. We try to get a little bit of it all in. Uh, as many of you know, we had the convention this week for the Democrats. Last week we had the convention for the Republicans. Trump got a little boost out of his uh, – actually got a nice boost out of his convention. And usually that's what happens. Because if you don't get a boost out of your convention, you just spent a lot of money for nothing. Now, people say that the entertainment value of the Democratic convention was higher, that Trump had D-list and Hillary had A-listers. Uh, people say that the Democrat Democrats might have been a little more high-spirited uh, we know those Bernie supporters were definitely high-spirited, so you can take that either way. What did you all think about both conventions? Now, I'm going to admit, I did not watch the Democratic convention. I uh, I was a Bernie supporter, and I sort of, you know, you can see the handwriting on the wall and pretty much knew what was going to happen. Now, I did try to watch, and I did watch Michelle Obama's speech, I believe it was on Monday, the first day for the Democrat. And there was a portion in the speech that she mentions how the White House had been built by slaves, but today was occupied by African Americans maybe even descendants of some of those slaves. Bill Riley, a Fox News contributor, uh, made a comment 
that Michelle Obama was basically right. The White House was some slave. And he also commented that the slaves, since they were being employed by the government, were well fed and taken care of. And, of course, you can imagine that sparked a little bit of controversy, controversy for the rest of us. And this is something that I didn't think was a big deal. I actually thought it was a nice, you know, little saying. To be honest, I thought it was very American to say it. Now, Bill's comment about being well-fed and taken care of. You know, when you're in jail, you're well-fed and taken care of. But you're still in jail. So when you're a slave, assuming that truly you are well-fed, taken care of, is subjective, but you're still a slave, right? So what do you think Bill O'Reilly's purpose of that statement was? But moving beyond Bill, going back to the topic of the show today is the two-party system destroying America. I happen to have had, and I'm using past tense, had, a Facebook friend who I'm not sure how we became friends, but we did. She's a Republican, and she's a very conservative Republican. Now, she's not from this country originally. She came, I believe, from South America, married an American, I believe is a citizen. And so we're Facebook friends, so her her stuff shows up on my feed. And a lot of it I agree with, regardless of the fact that she's a Republican and a conservative Republican at that. Because the truth is the truth no matter who's saying it, right? But obviously, for those who may not know it, I guess it wouldn't be obvious for you, but I'm an African-American. I'm a, I'm a black man. And the reason why I say African-American is because I've been reading up on stuff, and it says that white people don't like the term black, and it makes them uncomfortable. So since multiple people listened to the show, I said I'm an African-American. Now, I know that there's another group of people that says you should just say you're American. So it's like, well, dang. I mean, can't win for losing, right? So going back on why I asked the question, the two-party system destroying America. So this young lady and I, I believe she's 36, might be 46. We've been talking, you know, I like her posts. And I'll like or I'll go wow or I'll do a laugh, you know, the the laughing face or just give the thumbs up because I agree with some of her posts. Uh, Caden got made some comments, very seldom. And one of the last, not the last, but one of the last comments I made was about the two-party system uh, not really working well. And she even supported it with a like, and then she even commented that I was right. Now, mind you, I'm sure there's, you know, most of the people who I see commenting are Republicans. The 
the conversation of race came up, and I think I may have commented, but it was something fairly innocuous because you know you don't want to don't want to upset the 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 conservative Republican. But I'd get my point out, and I would always try to keep it as uh, you know, like I said, innocuous, harm, harmless. But I would try to get the point out. But when this comment came up about Michelle Obama, of course, she posted it. And I noticed that her conservative Republican Facebook friends, don't know if they're friends within real life, had negative things to say about it. And one person even said that by Michelle Obama pointing out that slaves built the White House, she disrespected and left out all of the other groups that built the White House and one of the groups that was specified was Irish Americans. And this is one of those posts, or this is one of those times when I looked at it and I sort of wanted to comment, but I said no. And then, it, you know, as people commented, it kept coming up into my my news feed, and I would click on it to see what someone said, and each person had negative things to say about Michelle Obama's comments about slaves building the White House and now black people living in the White House, residing in the White House. I'm trying to figure out why is this such an issue? Because it is the truth. And why did they go for, well, you disrespected all the other groups that built it. So my first question was, because I couldn't take it anymore, because I'm always respectful and I've heard her talk about how people have been disrespectful on her page, and that is her page, and, you know, she wants to write what she writes, and I agree. I mean, I don't necessarily agree that other people shouldn't be able to comment however they feel without her getting upset about it, but it is her feelings and it's her page. And what she typically does, she, she says that if someone disrespected her, she would delete them. So I usually am purposefully respectful to women. It's the way I was brought up. It's what I believed. And especially in a somewhat unique environment like that, I try to, you know, I, I err on the side of caution. How about that? So my comment was simply because, I, you know, I don't want to offend, but I, but I did feel compelled to say something. And since other people could say such vile remarks, I thought maybe I, I could insert something more positive, right? And I suggested that Michelle Obama's comments were simply showing how far America has come and that I thought that that would be something that would be celebrated. But I also posted I didn't quite understand why there was such vitriol for a statement celebrating America's progress in the Freedom's March, but also towards racial equality. I didn't say we were equal. I just simply said that I believe that uh, the Flota's comments were to show the progress of America. And then there was a couple of, like, maybe two or three more comments, and then the person who hosts the page, the, the woman who owned the page, 
she had another comment. And it was still derogatory, and, and I, I couldn't figure it out. And then there was a couple more comments of the, in the same vein, and I decided to basically copy and paste what I had already said. And I, basically what I said was, well, Michelle Obama's comments, I believe, was to show the progress of America. And could someone tell me why you find this offensive? And I'm paraphrasing on that, especially that last part. Because I'm trying to figure out why are these people upset that Michelle Obama said that slaves built the White House and now possibly their descendants, black people, reside in the White House. Now, if you all think that I said something that was offensive, that was disrespectful, 347-826-9600, call in, press option one. That uh, lets me know that you want to talk because some people just call in to listen, so press the one on your keypad. Because I truly would like to know there was something offensive in that. Now, the reason why I'm asking that question, because the topic today is, is the two-party system dividing America. I'm a Democrat, and I'm black. She's a Republican. She's not white. She's Latina. But she, you know, goes, and she's a proud Latina. Uh, but she, here's an interesting thought on that, though. We wound up talking in a private chat because I wanted in another post I wanted to say something. I think that we agreed with each other, but I, you know, I didn't want to come across as uh, obnoxious or anything. So I sent a message to her in a private chat to get her approval. Again, her page trying to be respectful. That's how I roll. And we actually had a very good, positive back and forth chat. Now she's happily married. I respect her marriage. Mention her husband, you know, so make sure it's all, you know, on the up and up. And I just wanted to talk about this this point of agreement that she and I had that was separate. So I thought that, and, you know, she's supportive of me. And what she was talking about is how because she's Latina and if she doesn't have her makeup on, if she goes to a particular big box store, how they will, you know, and, and her husband shows his, his car to get in, how they'll let him in, but how they will question her. Now, there she's walking with him, beside him, maybe behind him, but he shows the car, no makeup, they question her. And she was talking about how being Latina, she has experienced biases, prejudices, and maybe racism too, and she was highlighting that as an example of what she's experienced and how, you know, she doesn't let it keep her back. I got it, right? But then she went on to say how when she puts on her makeup, and I think she even went home and put on her makeup. I'm not sure about that part. How if her husband showed his ID, then they would just bring her on through. And as she was telling me that, I'll admit, I said, yes, she's Latina, but she is actually benefiting from white privilege. I know these words and phrases may sound offensive to white people, but I'm not sure how else to say it. She benefited from the positive way that white people are viewed. 
And since she looked more like a well-put-together white person with her makeup on with a tan, then they didn't question her and they went, let her through. Now, I don't know if she realized it, but that is a benefit. And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm African-American, technically brown-skinned, but I never get a chance to put on the white skin, so to speak. I'm not able to pass because what she what she did, and I'm not sure if she's aware, she was passing. Now, I'm not saying she did it on purpose, but that's just what's inherently there. It is a benefit of who you are. Just like because I have brown skin, dark complexion, instead of a benefit, I get just the opposite. It is always, let me see your ID. I never get the benefit of walking right in, whether I'm with someone with a card or not. So she can claim something else and benefit from it or appear to be something else and benefit from it. I never get to do that. And the reason why I wanted to point that out was because oftentimes our politics, you know, the topic of our show is the two-party system dividing America, destroying America, actually. Our politics tend to be if you're black, you're Democrat. If you are white Republican, you're a states' rights person, possibly pro-Confederate. And if you're a Democrat, you are definitely not for the Confederacy, right? But regardless of the fact, most black people are Democrats. As a matter of fact, black people vote roughly 92% Democrat. So when they go pull the lever, you could almost go, if they would take odds at one of these Las Vegas casinos, that those black people are going to vote Democrat. Now, the young lady in question, her husband, is Caucasian, a white person. And one of the things he shared with her early on is that really if if you're white in America, you don't talk race, pretty much you let black people say whatever they want to say because whatever you say, black people will call you a racist and, you know, that pretty much ends the conversation, so don't do it. And I thought, and, and oftentimes a part of the, the discourse on our page is about getting over racism and forgetting about slavery. And I thought, how can we ever get to that point if we don't talk about this? And I don't mean black people talking with black people. I mean black and white, white and white, but black and white talking about this. Because it does no good for just black people to talk about it. We typically see things roughly the same. America is a racist nation. America has benefited from this racism and white supremacy. You know, that's, we can just look at each other and nod our heads. We don't have to say anything. Plus, it is the power of white people that black people have to react to. See, white people don't react to black people. Black people react to white people, which means as a Democrat, and you're black, you're going to have to react. But, of course, there's white Democrats, too. But I wanted to highlight this story of this young lady because every day, because she's a prolific poster, I see feeds from her. So it's about the family, her husband, her fitness. You know, she's getting back in the gym. 
you know, she's a nice body, nice-looking woman, actually, but married, so I, I respect that. Occasion, I, I like fitness, and I believe we should encourage people. So I may say a little something, you know, again, respecting her situation. But I noticed her news stuff, her posts weren't popping up in my news feed any longer. So after a couple of days, this morning I decided to do a Facebook search. Now, normally her stuff would pop right up. It didn't pop right up. And the picture of her that did pop up was just a silhouette. It wasn't a picture. And that told me, oh, wow, we may not be friends. Now, maybe it's just one of those gremlins, you know, in, in the Facebook universe that unfriended us. But just as that is possible, it is also possible that she unfriended because she often unfriends people who has a, well, she says it's disrespectful. And I'm wondering, in America today, and this is still sticking with our topic of is our politics destroying America, is it, are we at the point where even if we disagree over in a, a comment by our first lady, that that is because it's a disagreement on politics that is considered disrespectful and therefore we're not going to be Facebook friends. For we cannot continue to develop a relationship. This is super important to me because my my co-host, Angela Thomas, and I, we've often had this discussion on on the radio as well as at the gathering that we have every Friday, which we had this Friday at TC's Rear Friends because it was the fifth Friday, and once with five Fridays, we spend the fifth Friday at TC's Rear Crib to support black business. And what we often discuss is, is life imitating art or is art imitating life or is life imitating reality or is reality imitating art? And my co-host, and I wish she was here, she speaks for herself, but I, I'm pretty confident that she's, don't hold me to it or her to it for that matter, but I'm pretty confident what she normally says is, you know, her thought is that life imitates, or excuse me, that art imitates reality, art imitates life. I have been saying, had been saying for years that I thought it was turning and that life was starting to imitate art, and now I am convinced that life is imitating art. We are a parody, a parody of ourselves, a caricature of who we once were. Because in America today, the two-party system, which many of the founding fathers were against, including the man, George Washington, General Washington, because he said party system would divide us. And sure enough, in 2016, though it didn't start in 2016, but in 2016, even innocuous comments about slaves building the White House and now possibly descendants of those former slaves or a descendant is residing in the White House is politically for the conservatives, those on the right, the Republicans, 
and it's something so grievous that people who've known each other for, I don't even know how long we've been friends, like Facebook friends, I know it's been months, that the one person would unfriend the other because of it. And, you know, when we talk about politics destroying America, because I think it divides us, there used to be centrists in both parties. You had moderates, uh, Republicans, and what was called blue dog Democrats. And both parties seem to have ousted those moderates, and if you weren't the, the rightest right on the Republican, you've been dismissed. And if you weren't the far leftist left for the Democrats, you've also been dismissed. And our country sees each other as Democrats and Republicans. And if you're a Democrat, then the Republicans aren't able to agree. If you're a Republican, the Democrats aren't able to agree. And this political division that used to be for governance, has now seeped in from the halls of Congress where when there used to be a disagreement, maybe when it was all men, the person from whatever side would say, I would like to disagree with my, the good gentleman, my good friend from this great state of whatever, and I would like to share this perspective. It used to be that, and it used to be you hear Chris Matthews on MSNBC often saying how the person he worked for, Tip O'Neill, and and Ronald Reagan would go out for drinks and they would get things done and how much they got done because they talked about each other's families. They cared for one another. They may have different political opinions, but ultimately it was for the good of the country, and it wasn't a dislike for each other. Have we devolved? And I'm suggesting that we have. Have we devolved where because one person is of a different political party, which means they have to have different political beliefs, which means we cannot be even Facebook friends, which means that in the halls of Congress, instead of it's I have a disagreement with my good friend from the great state of whatever, it's, oh, that person lied, and they are this and that, and so forth and so on, almost like street yard talk. America, is America being destroyed by the two-party system? 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, press option one to talk. I would love to hear from you. I have a caller on the line, uh, 4727. Good afternoon. Welcome to Our Own Voices Live. The topic of our show today is, is the two-party system destroying America. Give me your first name and what city you're calling from. Yeah, this is Naj in Atlanta. How you doing, man? All right. Thank you so much for calling from hot Atlanta, but I bet you it's not as hot as hot Las Vegas right now. Nah, man, we've been getting a lot of rain, man, slowing down down here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, right on, brother. Well, we can share some of our sun. We got about a hundred and 
plus degrees every day. So uh, we'd love to share a little bit of that with you so we can get a little of that coolness that you may not think is so cool there. Thank you for listening to the show. Did you have a question or comment for us? Yeah, just a few comments. Uh, well, first things first, I would say uh, politics is just a reflection of the society that you're in. So I wouldn't say it's kind of the the – the, uh, the tail wagging the dog. Uh, politics is just reflecting what we are right now and how we are right now. So when you get into economic downturns, uh, politics become a, you know, winner-take-all game. And when it's a winner-take-all game, uh, the conversation gets more aggressive. Uh, people get a little more rude. There's somebody riding by now honking their horn, as you see. People get a little more rude. And, you know, it, it's not as civil. That's because everything is on the table. So when you look at austerity and all these different measures to always try to shrink back government and spending, that makes everything more consequential when it comes to the battle. So when we watch cable news and they put one guy from the right, one guy from the left, and they yell and scream at each other, we don't come to a conclusion, but it finishes. But that's the American discourse now because that's where we are. So I I wouldn't blame politics for this. I would just say it's just a – it's just a symptom of uh, the disease uh, that America has and, and just dealing with the decline that we're dealing with now. Uh, this country is not on the rise. It's on the decline. We've got to figure out a new way to get people jobs, a new way to get people working, and a new way to function. And in the midst of that, you're going to have a lot of discomfort, a lot of sadness, and a lot of pain. And because of that, people aren't going to be so nice. So, I mean, that's mostly what we're dealing with. And as far as the two parties uh, and why we have a two-party system now, uh, for the most part in politics, eventually if you allow two parties to control everything, they're going to create the parameters to where it's difficult for anybody else to get involved. They're going to they're going to hedge things to their favor. So if you want to run a third party, you got to get you know X amount of signatures, raise X amount of donations, you know shake this amount of hands and all of that stuff. So th- they create a way to where the other parties don't really have a shot, and then you just have to deal with them. And then they just kind of try to shout down the more radical parts of their party, uh, circle to the middle, and nothing really changes every four years, and we do this song and dance again next time for election. So, you know, we're, we're just in a space to where things have to change. Uh, the American people have to, I don't want to say acquire new skills, but there has to be a new, a new formation for people to work. Uh, back in the day when, you know, you, if you didn't have a college degree, if you were willing to sweat, you could still earn enough to have a family, a home, and, and a car, and, you know, the whole nine. Now, you know, that's not really possible. If you don't have a certain skill set, you're kind of just check to check. And if you have a, you know, continuous rise in the population living that life, you're going to have problems politically trying to solve these things. So, you know, we're just dealing with a lot of problems at the same time, and it's, it's going to take a lot to figure it out, my man. But uh, the, I'll tell you this, the answers aren't in the RNC or the DNC. I hate to say that, but, I mean, it's true, in my opinion. Okay, so, uh, I mean, you, you, you put a lot out there on the table, but I'm going to go with the last thing you said. You said the answer is not in the RNC and the DNC, uh, so we know where it isn't, according to you. Uh, where is the answer? Well, the answer is in the American people saying right now things are rigged. We need a lot more government investment in people and society. 
and we need to draw down not only military spending, but this idea that we need to be the police of the world and have these endeavors that have us lose lives and money and everything else that could be spent, you know, domestically. So, I mean, that's where the answers are because that's where the spending is. When you start looking at the budget and see how much goes out the, out the window through military spending as opposed to health care, jobs, education, and all these other, you know, people institutions, uh, everything is built around, you know, the latter. And it, this is just not a sustainable model going forward. We, we, I mean, we're a country, what, 340 million, I think was the last time I checked, uh, somewhere around there. So when you have mm-hmm. that huge population and, and you're requiring all these different benchmarks of education in order to actually earn a, a nice living, it's not realistic. It's not doable. So, so we've got to figure so out let's, what to uh, So let's, let's chop this up a little bit because Indeed. you mentioned edu- education and you mentioned jobs and you mentioned people's responsibility. So with the people's responsibility, the people are the ones who elect their representation. And you just said that the two-party system isn't the answer, but the people always elect someone from the two-party system. So if we sort of use your framework that you put forth, then the system is not going to change because, or things are not going to change within the system because the two parties that you said don't have the answers is who we keep elected. So that's one thought on that. And then the other part was you said jobs and education. Well, here's the thing about jobs. There has always been a finite number of jobs, except during slavery. But since then, there has been a finite number of jobs. And all of those jobs that they need, they don't have to have educated Americans to fill those jobs because they can, because of globalism, they can bring someone else in to fill those jobs. So you don't have to have an educated workforce. So if you don't have to have an educated workforce, corporations aren't willing to pay the taxes because it affects their bottom line. And the reason why you need to have an educated workforce is so that corporations can have employees. But now that employees for the corporations can come from Pakistan, can come from the Philippines, et cetera, they don't need Americans to be educated. Therefore, they don't need to pay for them. So that being the case, you can extrapolate that there's probably going to be more Americans unemployed. And you said that that was the basics of some of our issues was education and unemployment. Well, if the companies are not going to pay for it and the companies control government and the answer doesn't lie in the RNC and the DNC, but it lies in the people, but the people continually elect people from the RNC and the DNC, then where is that answer again? Yeah, the answer still lies in the people understanding that the framework has to be changed. Uh, the two-party system has to be uh, relieved. It, there has to be more parties in, and there has to be an idea that the American workforce has to be at least in the top three of, of things that are important. As you said, globalization makes it to where they can bring in people uh, sometimes of higher skill for cheaper. And if you're playing that game on a world stage, you're going to lose as a population. And history tells us that if you create a society where most people or the majority of people 
think that they don't really have a fair shake, uh, you're going to see things on fire and you're going to see change that you didn't want to have uh, physically. Uh, what, what did your man Kennedy say? Uh, those that make pe- peaceful change <laughs> impossible make violent change <laughs> inevitable. And, and that's essentially what we're talking about. So I, I agree with you 100. That's, that's been a, a big part of my critique uh, of American society right now, globalism and the idea that, you know, automation and, you know, this technical society is going to, no matter what, we're going to hemorrhage jobs going forward. But who those jobs go to and how do we, re, uh, how do we make up for the loss of jobs is going to determine whether we have a healthy society or not. So I, I think you gave the great, a great diagnosis and a great counter to all of the things that I've listed. But once again, we're still back in the same place because either corporate America can't have a big as, as big a say in how the government runs or the two-party system has to open up. It has to be one or the other. Okay. Well, you know, I, I appreciate the dialogue. I appreciate your input. Heck, I'm happy that you listened and even more so that you called in and shared with some of our other listeners, hopefully you'll continue to listen to the show, and when the show is over, you'll be able to follow up with it, and please feel free to go Our Own Voices Live on Facebook if you're on Facebook, and uh, add a comment, because this is something that's important, this is something that is going to impact us, as well as our children, and we just had two conventions of the two-party system where the most popular person, uh, the person that all the polls said would do the best in the general election, has been sent home. And the two most unpopular candidates in the history of the two-party system since they've been keeping that on it are now vying to lead our great nation. <laughs> I want to leave you with I want to leave well, you with sir, this. This is oh, this is one of my give me favorite one last, quotes. One last car, oh, car shot before you go, but I'm listening. No, yeah, that's a great point. The other point I would add is Michelle Obama becomes the biggest asset for either party uh, going forward in this election, where you got two unpopular candidates because the black vote is what puts Hillary in, and pulling off Democrats is what put Trump in. Is what put Trump in. So we got a weird dynamic, and I'll just I'll just end it with this. Uh, when the French had this problem, uh, the solution they came up with was something called the guillotine. Hopefully we don't have to get there. <laughs> well, yeah, let's hope not either. Uh, thank you so much for calling. And I, I do want to say this. Uh, I believe we're at a position and a time in our country as far as our form of government goes. And our form of government always has been a participatory form of government. That's what fuels it. In other words, it is the people who go out and select their candidates to represent them, and they give them what they want them to do for them, and then those candidates go out and do it. At least that's how it's supposed to work. But there's a saying, and I found that it was it was on a bumper sticker on a car, actually. So I, don't, I looked it up, and I keep getting uh, anonymous said it. So, quote, unquote, who will lead? The leaders will follow. If the people will lead, the leaders will follow. So, on that note, brother, thank you so much for calling from Hotlanta. And uh, hopefully you enjoy the rest of the day as well as continue to listen to the rest of the show. we got about 
oh, 15 more minutes before we close it out. So when will the people lead? We know that's what has to happen. Now, Brother Nas from Atlanta said that the French, who just celebrated their their French Revolution, you know, he says either progress is made or it's the guillotine. In other words, for those who may not be familiar, remember Maria Antoinette, let them eat cake. Louis, I believe it was the 14th, her head rolls because they put her in and supposedly the guillotine chopped it off. And that's what happened to a lot of the folks. Uh, for France, it's called the Steel Day because that's when basically they stormed the Bastille. The Bastille is their equivalent of jails. And the people came out and the people were upset because the aristocracy was living large, so to speak. They were, they were balling. <laughs> and the rest of the people were starving. They were suffering and poor living conditions, this poor uh, standard of life, and they revolted. Now, a part of France's problem, and he mentioned it about America's problem, was France has spent a lot of money fighting wars on multiple fronts. As a matter of fact, the reason why we had the Louisiana Purchase is because France needed that money to continue to fight in, uh, the Spanish and the English. Uh, and one of the reasons why they had such a problem fighting the Spanish and the English is because the French was in the Americas, in the Louisiana territories, and the Natchez natives were whipping up on the French, just beating the French down, ran them out of their own ports, literally. As a matter of fact, there's a big monument in Natchez, Mississippi, of some of those battles to this day. But because the French were taking heavy casualties in the Louisiana Territory by the natives, they also took a loss. They took an L. They took an L in Haiti due to the uprising of the Haitians under the leadership of who we most prominently know as Toussaint Leverture. And that Haiti was basically France's piggy bank, that they went there and that's what helped them fund the war. Well, when they lost Haiti to the Haitians, they lost their piggy bank and their ability to continually fund these wars. By losing forces on the two fronts, and as, well, really it was a three-front war because they were also fighting the natives here in America, and then by those Natchez natives whipping up on them down in what we now call Natchez, Mississippi, the French were hurting. And that's, again, how we got the Louisiana Purchase. Thomas Jefferson made the deal, and, of course, that gave us Louisiana, Mississippi, and one more state, I believe. Somebody check my, my history out on that. But all that to say, is what Brother Nas says, if we don't do something, instead of it being a peaceful revolution like Senator Bernie Sanders and his folks were talking about, then it could be something worse. I actually believe in the basic concept of America. I like most of the things in the Constitution. You know, the part about slavery, I'm not keen on, right? 
but I, most of it I, I like. You know, the I, it's the idea. It's not necessarily the document itself. It's the idea that the document represented. And the idea of it is pretty high. America has never lived up to the idea of the Constitution, never. To this day, has not. But we still have this two-party system, and because black people vote 90% for Democrats, basically you have a, a racial system too. Now, black people maybe can do something about that, and we need to talk about that on another show. But black people are Democrats, and however the Democrats go is how black people go. It's not the other way around. It's not how black people go. It's how Democrats go. No, it's how the Democrats go, black people go. So if you're black, you're probably a Democrat, which means you're always fighting against a Republican. If you're a Republican, you're probably not black. So there is not only a political divide, but in America there's a racial divide. And he's absolutely right. And some of the, the memes I posted for the, on the show page, it talks about this two-party system and how, like Bernie Sanders said, you have to give the fellow credit. He spelled it out for us. The system, there are rules to the system, no doubt. But to a certain extent, the system has rigged itself. Let me give you this analogy. You want to play football. And usually it's two teams that play football, right? And those two teams play by a set of rules. And whoever plays the hardest within the rules and is successful in achieving the goals that are established. Matter of fact, that's why they call them goalposts, basketball goals, so forth. Whoever's most successful scores the most points, they win. If you go outside the rules, there's fouls, penalties, different names, right? Now, suppose you came to play, but you didn't learn the rules. Ah, what rules? I don't care about the rules. And you go make a nice move, but it violated the rules. So you get a foul call. You lose ground, lose territory, have penalties deducted, have uh, time penalties lose people on the field, lose protection of your goal, depending on which sport it is, right? So ultimately you're going to lose because you don't know the rules. So that's one. So what I'm saying is there's rules to the politics of today. You have to learn the rules. Number two, because the Republicans and the Democrats control the rules, let's say the independent team, or the nonpartisan team comes and wants to play. They have the talent, they have the height, they have the size, right? They learn the rules, and they go and play, and they start making points. But all of a sudden, because the Democratic-Republican team makes all the rules, they change the rules. Now, they change the rules, and they know they change the rules. Tell you maybe they don't. Maybe they don't tell you until after you violated the new rule. Doesn't that sound like American life? Especially if you're minorities and particularly black people. You learn the rules. You practice. You study. You play hard. 
but you still don't win because they changed the rules. Well, trying to get the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, we see at the convention, literally at the convention, you could be a leading candidate, but because the convention is the one who sets the rules. So you played the game, but they set the rules. And through those rules, they can pick whoever they want. The Democrats have superdelegates. And these superdelegates, it doesn't make any difference how the people voted. The superdelegates can vote how they want. Now, over a year ago, we knew that Hillary Clinton had the superdelegates locked up. And usually they're elected officials and some others, but always elected officials. In my state of Nevada, all of the black elected had already unofficially said they're voting for Hillary. There was, because they're Democrats, there was nothing anyone else could do to get their vote. They're voting for Hillary. So it makes it seem that all of those, all the thing else was kind of like show and tell, because no matter what, Hillary was going to get the vote of the superdelegates, and the superdelegates are the ones that really counted. That is something that we, the people, need to get rid of, those who are Democrats. Now, the Republicans, they don't have super delegates. They have a convention system. Now, because Mitt Romney had some issues the first time he ran, they changed the rules so that he would have a better chance of getting elected. He still lost to President Obama. They still use the same rules. And through that rule system, an unlikely candidate emerged, one each, Donald J. Trump. And watch them change the rules for the next election cycle because they don't want to have another Donald J. Trump. But he did. He came in. He learned the system. He beat the system. Now he's their nominee. So what that tells me is that it can be done, but not with the superdelegates because the Republicans don't have superdelegates. Had the Republican Party had superdelegates, it's very possible that there would be another uh, nominee for the Republican Party. It's possible because the delegate system goes all the way down to your county and then to your state, right? And we know through the WikiLeaks that the Democrats put their thumb on the scales for Hillary Clinton to ensure that she won. So when we talk about the political system, not only is it the two-party system that's possibly destroying this nation, for sure dividing it, but within the parties, and specifically on the Democratic Party, we see where the process is also biased towards their own. Ladies and gentlemen, we have four minutes left on in the show. The process is not working. It makes no difference whether Democrat or Republican, Red or blue, Crips or blood, right, same colors. It makes no difference which one is in office for the black man. Oh, white people don't like that. For the African-American man. Because our plight doesn't change. But we vote 90%, roughly 92% for the Democrats. The Democrats take us for granted and don't do anything for us, and they focus on other people, even though we're the base of the party and they count on our vote. We know that African-American women 
is the number one voting bloc next to blacks in general in the Democratic Party. We actually have power to change it, but we have to exercise that power. And specifically our black women, excuse me, African-American women, have to exercise that power and possibly, and this is a tough one for them, and I understand why, look beyond just the opportunity to have a woman in the White House if it is not the right person in the White House. Now, that's for them to, to, to decide. And I, and I want a woman in the White House, but I want it to be the right woman. And maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it is. We'll decide. But so far, we have not decided, and that is the problem, because the parties have decided. And our form of government is a participatory form of government, but the participants are not, they're allowed to participate, but their participation I was talking to a brother this morning while I was doing my walk, and he was saying, you know, he's he's one of the pro-black brothers, and specifically pro-black business, and I, and I, you know, I am too, I guess. But he said how, you know, we shouldn't throw our vote away, and we have to go for the lesser of two evils. And I got a meme up like that too, and I said to him, but if we go for the lesser of two evils, aren't aren't we still getting evil? And he says, well, yeah. And I said, in every election just about, isn't that what the choice comes down to is the lesser of two evils? He says, well, yeah. So I says, well, if we continually vote for the lesser of two evils, but we don't want either one who be vote for one, is there any reason for us to get ever anything greater than the two evils? There's no demand on the system for us to get better candidates. Remember, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have the worst numbers of any candidates. If it wasn't for Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton would have the worst numbers, the worst negatives of any candidate in history. So after talking to the pro-black brother, pro-black business brother, he says, well, we only have two choices. I said, no, we have more than two choices. I said, we can vote for Jill Stein. There's other third-party candidates on there. You got Gary Johnson. I'm not a fan. I said, we do have a choice. And he said, yeah, but none of them will win. So if we vote for one of them and they don't win, we're throwing our vote away. And I says, well, brother, I said, you know that only one of the two are going to win. So are you saying that whoever votes for the losing candidate of the two have thrown their vote away as well? Because if that's not the case, then why can't we look at those third-party candidates? Because then we put pressure on the system. We put a demand on the system. We let the system know with the one thing that we have the power, every citizen that's 18 years old and doesn't have a felony that prevents them, we let them know with that voice of our vote. And we let them know that we're displeased, that we don't want the lesser of two evils anymore. And if they continue to give us the lesser of two evils, we will take our vote elsewhere. That's that's how you fix it. At least that's what I think is how you fix it. Three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred. You can go to our own voices live on Facebook. I would love what you all have to say about this topic. And the topic today was is the two party system destroying America. We'll have an upcoming show that we're gonna to try to get into some possibilities and some solutions on what we can do because I think that we can still save it. 
regardless of who wins this time. I think we can still save it. But I will. I want you to think about this. If you tell people that the system is their system and that the system is fair and that if they do the right things, play by the rules, that's what they always say, right, especially our Republic brothers and sisters, but play by the rules that's been set forth, you will succeed in America, American life and American politics. Bernie Sanders played by the rules. We have facts now. They say Hillary Clinton did not. But yet she was still rewarded. We know that the president will determine how people conduct themselves. Whether it's President John Kennedy having a head full of hair and not wanting to wear the fedora any longer, almost bankrupt the company because people stopped wearing the fedora. His wife, Jacqueline Onassis Kennedy, at the time Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy, she wore a little pillbox hat that had these little purses that I don't know the name of. <laughs> and, of course, what was the big selling item? Michelle Obama said she wore J. Crew, and all of a sudden there was a run on J. Crew stuff, right? I guess what I'm trying to say is it is important who's there in the White House because we often, and not just in the White House but in Congress, including the Senate, because often how they are, is how we will become. Just like how I believe, different from Nas, that our civil discourse country is getting worse because it's getting worse in our leadership. And just like my quote said, if the people will lead, the leaders will fail, I believe that becomes applicable when your leaders are failing. Then the people have to pick up the mantle of leadership and set the standard for our elected officials to the benefit of the people and society. See, we have a role to play, and yes, your vote does count. Now, granted, some of you, especially you Bernie supporters, will say, but my vote really didn't count. Plus, we always have to deal with the superdelegates. Here's how your vote can count. You all had a convention. Did you take the opportunity to get rid of the superdelegates? It's a question, just a question, because I haven't heard that. Remember, I said I didn't watch at the beginning of the show. And now that the convention is over, are you going to take steps locally in your state, in your county, to find out what the rules are and get rid of the superdelegates? If that's what you feel needs to happen, to give you more power. Because right now, that power is siphoned off from you. Regardless of the party, are you all, are we, going to continually allow the system to lead us negatively, powerful, the rich. You know, Nas talked about jobs. You know, if you look at the Dow, you look at the stock market, the indicators of economic prosperity and success of America under President Obama is at all-time high. As a matter of fact, somebody uh, please fact-check me, but I believe during President Obama's almost eight years administration, that by the time he's done, if it hasn't happened already, there will be more billion, that's billion with a B, billionaires made in the eight years that President Obama's been president than all the billionaires that were made before he was president. 
think about that. So when we say things aren't going well, is at an all-time high. Unemployment, supposedly, is less than 5%. Why aren't people working? I don't know. I can guess. Why aren't people educated? We still have a free education system. Don't know. I could guess. But what I can say or suggest to you is that our political system is broken. Political leaders probably aren't able to fix it. And before we have to get to the guillotine, maybe we can have that peaceful political revolution, as Brother Nas from Atlanta said, and bring about the change that we need before it does get to be too late. And so many people are unemployed and undereducated that there is this teen-styled revolution. We've never had it. What we've touted our Constitution, our government for is having a smooth transition, but it's not smooth anymore. Look at both conventions. The Republican convention, none of the former presidents or, well, presidents attended. In the Democratic convention, a whole group of people were shut out, the Bernie supporters, by the Hillary supporters. As a matter of fact, the convention on TV looked like it ran smooth. You would never know that, well, actually not behind the scenes, it was in front of the scenes, but the news media didn't report it, that there was a lot of dissent. Nina Turner, the lead Bernie surrogate who was supposed to introduce him, was not even allowed to do it because she used to be a Hillary Clinton supporter and she had the audacity to support Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton. And I know there's a love fest between President Obama and Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton, right? But if you go back and you pull up some YouTube videos of Michelle Obama's comments about Hillary Clinton, it would make you wonder, are you in some type of alternative universe today? If you go back and pull up the things that uh, excuse me, Hillary Clinton and President Clinton said about President Obama, you would think that we're in an alternative universe, alternate universe today. Words do matter. Do we want people to lie to us? Has is that what we've come down to? Is what we expect them to lie? Remember, oh, they just said that for the primary it's going to be different in general. But if you said something in one to get there, and you're saying something different now that you're there, doesn't that mean that you lied before? And didn't we? Encourage and accept it. Haven't, hasn't it got to the point where that's just how business is done? Like Nah said, that is the decline of the political structure, the political process, and maybe even the country itself. Well, my time is coming to an end. The title of our show today was is was party system destroying America. I don't know if I have given you an answer. I believe you know the answer. Are you willing to be unlike our elected officials, our politicians, and answer that question honestly? Or 
to use a phrase from Donald Trump. And I go back between Democrats and Republicans because at heart I'm an independent or nonpartisan in my state. So I go back and forth. I try to find in both of them because it's the good that I'm looking for. And, you know, here's something else. I think I got 30 seconds. Here's something else. Have we thought, this is for black people, this is for all Americans, have we considered, hey, let me write down what it is that I want my politicians to do for me, based on your own personal platform. You find a group of people and you share platforms and you whittle it down to a small list. You find a larger group of people and you put it all together and you whittle it down to a small list. And then you say to the politician, not the party, to the person, not the politician, Whoever is willing to support the list that we have created is who will get my vote, who I will volunteer for and support to get you in office and then while you're in office, and also who I will pull out my wallet for because, yes, folks, it takes money. I want you to think about that. And if you've never contributed to a political campaign, whether the highest level the president or the city council, but you know that you need them to do things for you, especially when you don't believe they have done things for you. I need you to reconsider your actions because, see, this is something that's no longer just on the politician. This is about the people, right? This is about us. That's why we have them. It's for us. So it's time for us to jump in the game. For my black folks, excuse me, African-Americans, I need you to consider that, too, because we need money when we run. You say you want black candidates, but when you get that black candidate that you selected, not that the party gave you, because oftentimes the one that the party gave you may be black on the outside, but let me tell you, on the inside, they're doing the party's bidding, and it's never black. It's always white or Latino, Hispanic, or Asian, or LGBTQQPI. It's always someone else other than black. We are a part of this country. And like every other interest group, we have to learn the process, learn the rules, learn the game. And then we have to play it like any other sport we started playing. We always play it better. Look at this as a sport. Today was, is the two-party system destroying America. I am in the air chair solo today. Uh, my co-host is, I guess, still on vacation. Hopefully she'll be back soon. Uh, Mrs. Angela Thomas, uh, our show topic today, once again, was is the two-party system destroying America. We'll have some follow-ups to this show. You can go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook to continue this conversation. I would love to hear from you. We can just go to Our Own Voices in general. Once again, this is Rodney Smith from Our Own Voices Live coming to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for our East Coast listeners. Big ups, big props to our East Coast listeners, especially for the listener as well as caller Nas from Atlanta. Thank you so much, brother, for calling in, and I hope you'll listen, and I look forward to seeing you on the board. Until next week, be safe. Be safe. And think for yourself. This is Rodney Smith signing off. Bye-bye.